Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Come on, man. Good afternoon and good evening, rugby fans. Welcome to episode 39 of the DNVR Raptors podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. we got a big show today. Um, we have a really good conversation with Colorado Raptors performance analyst Travis Haugen coming up a little later. But before we do that, obviously we're going to jump into the breakdown like we've been doing. And the big news this week in rugby, especially American rugby, is that USA Rugby and the city of Glendale have announced a new partnership. Uh, USA Rugby announced this on Monday morning. And this is something that I've known was coming for a couple of weeks, but I wasn't sure of the specifics and I wasn't sure when it was going to come out. So see it come out on Monday was exciting stuff. And and the outline or the press release that they released on Monday outlined some of the specifics. Um, so it does clear a lot of things up. And, you know, I'll, I'll run through a few of the key points. Um, so this is a national governing body headquarters moving to Glendale with Infinity Park set to host future national team test matches and assemblies. And this is for both the men's and women's 15s team. So Infinity Park is now the new national training center for the men and women's 15s teams. The USA Rugby and City of Glendale agreed to new partnership where national, national governing body headquarters will move to Glendale and assign Infinity Park as a national training center for the USA Rugby Eagles 15s. Infinity Park will be the preferred host venue for men's and women's national team 15 test matches. Partnership aligned as part of the city's redirection towards national rugby development, builds foundation for USA rugby sustainability and mission towards progress. So if you've been paying attention, like especially since the Raptors announced their withdrawal from the MLR, like in the statement, if you saw any of the interviews that Glendale's mayor, Mike Donovan, did uh, since the statement came out, one of the things that he said is that he the the goal for Glendale and Infinity Park has been to develop American rugby players, develop American rugby talent. The the ultimate goal is to help the USA one day win the World Cup. And I mean, this is one of the this is about the biggest way you, he could put his money where his mouth is. And and even like one of the quotes in the USA Rugby release says, "This partnership with USA Rugby further confirms Glendale's commitment to the sport of rugby and specifically to the development of U.S. rugby players." Stated Glendale Mayor Mike Donovan, "We created Rugby Town USA to be the center of excellence for rugby, and we are excited to partner with USA Rugby in realizing that vision." So. 
I mean, that kind of backs up what I just said, what he's been saying since April. Obviously, a lot of people feel a lot of different ways about this, and that's fine. You can you can feel those ways, but this is something that will be similar to what exists in Chula Vista for the USA Sevens team, and then they touch on that also in the article. Um, I can read you a couple of the, the key paragraphs that I picked out of this thing, so I won't read you the whole thing. But here we go. USA Rugby and the city of Glendale have collaborated on a new partnership where the national governing body will relocate its headquarters to Glendale and establish Infinity Park as the official national training center for the men's and women's Eagles 15s. The partnership additionally includes use of Infinity Park as host venue for select USA test matches each year. Instituting Infinity Park as the National Training Center falls in line with the city of Glendale's redirection toward direct development of the national rugby pathway. As USA Rugby and Infinity Park come closer together, combined resources and missions will open doors for rugby progress even beyond the national team level. Quote, the city of Glendale and Infinity Park have been great partners with USA Rugby and we hope to strengthen the relationship moving forward, noted USA Rugby CEO Ross Young. Quote, the ongoing reform of the organization requires USA Rugby to develop a sustainable operating model where we are grateful the city is open in support, end quote. As part of the partnership, Infinity Park will become the preferred host venue for men's and women's test matches with subsidized facility usage supporting the opportunity for reinvested funds into those events and programs. In addition, USA Rugby will continue to host international and domestic events in multiple markets and key areas across the country. The men's and women's national team 15s will additionally have unparalleled year-round use of the Infinity Park rugby facilities where team assemblies, training camps, and individual athlete access will provide a home base for men's and women's eagles. The Elite Athlete Training Center in Chula Vista will, however, continue to be headquarters for the men's and women's Eagles sevens teams. So that's kind of an outline of some of the specifics. Obviously, we'll know more in the coming weeks. Um, but that, that's kind of the big news that happened earlier this week. That's the first thing I wanted to touch on in the breakdown Moving into some other stuff, uh, the second, second point I want to touch in the breakdown is that Aspen Ruggerfest is unfortunately canceled, something that we kind of knew was coming. I was holding out hope. If you've been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, I've been hopeful that that was one of the things that could proceed. But there was an article in the Aspen Times last Saturday that was announcing it was canceled. And it is a bummer, I mean, but ultimately it is the right decision. It's hard to go against things that are happening in the, um, you know, the putting our safety first. But um, it kind of sounds like it ultimately boiled down to the city of Aspen not being able to fully guarantee that the event would happen until right before the event would have actually happened. And that's fair. I mean, as we've seen these last three months, things have changed on a day by day basis, minute by minute basis. So um, it's hard to plan anything. And it's tough for organizations like this because you have to plan it like it's going to happen. Right. You can't just. You know, you can't just halfway plan it um, because in the event that something does happen and things get cleared up, which as obviously the further we get into this pandemic, it seems less likely. Um, but you got to be ready for anything. And so canceling is the right decision. They've already got the date scheduled for next year and they're anticipating it being the biggest one. They're really going to blow it out. So it should be fun once it happens. It's a bummer that it's canceled, but uh, that's the way of the world right now. So moving on to some other points, uh, it's round three of Super Rugby 
uh, the New Zealand version. As you'll hear in the conversation, Travis and I cannot say the word, so I'm not even going to try. But round three of the New Zealand version of Super Rugby happens this weekend. We've got Blues versus Highlanders at 1.05 a.m. on Saturday morning, and then we got Crusaders versus Chiefs at 9.35 p.m. on Saturday. Should be fun. I've enjoyed watching that. And some exciting stuff, too, is uh, Super Rugby Australia will kick off on Friday, July 3rd. So that's getting started up again here soon as well. We've got Reds versus New South Wales Waratahs on three, at 3.05 a.m. on Friday, July 3rd. And then we got Brumbies versus uh, Melbourne Rebels at 3.15 a.m. on the 4th of July. So nothing more American than ringing in your 4th of July with some Super Rugby Australia. I'll be watching that. Um, it should be some fun stuff. So... Uh, we'll go ahead and kick it into my interview with Colorado Raptors performance analyst Travis Haugen. Um, you've heard me talk about him already a couple times in the intro, but I've been talking to Travis about coming on the podcast to explain what he what exactly he does uh, since the beginning of the season, so I'm glad we got him on because I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I mentioned it in the interview, but when you go out and watch a training session, you'll see him. He's flying a drone. He's filming something with a handheld camera. He's got another camera up on a tripod. He's taking notes. He's doing everything. He's multitasking. He's running around like crazy. Uh, so I, I've known – I've had the hunch for a while. I've known his job is super interesting. Um, so I'm glad he finally got to come on and talk about it. And I think, you know, I, I think just in sports in general, collecting and analyzing data is something that interests me greatly. Um, and Travis' story is pretty cool. You'll hear about how he kind of created his own position within the organization. And, you know, I, I get into it a little bit in the interview as well, but it, it, this is something that is – it's new, but it's not. You know, it's a newer thing in sports, but it's something that's been around for a few years, but something that I have just have so little knowledge about that I don't – almost even don't know where to start asking questions. But he does a good job taking me through um, what a typical match week looks like for him and – it was a good conversation. I really liked it. And if you're into the behind-the-scenes stuff in sports and the other side of sports that doesn't get talked about too much, um, you'll like it. And I think that's always cool to hear about and learn about. So I um, hope you guys enjoy the conversation. But before we jump into that interview, Travis, wanted, uh, he sent me a note after we talked yesterday, and he wanted to clear something up that he said. So this is the note that he sent me. He said, when I said Marco was the player of the game for the Utah match, it was actually Connor Cook. I mixed up my games. Connor Cook had an absolute blinder of a game against Utah. I'm not sure how this would this could be edited, but maybe add it into the description in some funny way. No worries if it's a pain. Just don't want to be inaccurate. So I've been trying to figure out how to put that in, so I just thought, you know what, I'll just put his, his uh, note in there. So that will clear things up. Obviously, it doesn't make sense to interview listening right now because you haven't heard the interview yet, but when you hear the interview, it will make sense. So uh, he was talking about Marco, and it's not uncommon to believe that Marco had a great game because I know he's somebody who's very highly regarded around the organization these last two years. If you've listened to the interview I did with Mark Bullock earlier in the season, he talked about how great uh, of a prop Marco was and how great of a season he was having. And, and like I just mentioned, he was in the middle of an awesome season. Um, but Travis wanted to make sure that he gave some love to a friend of the program, Connor Cook, as well. So I'm thankful that he cleared that up. Um, so, yeah, it's not uncommon to, to think that it was Marco who had a great game because I'm sure he had four great games, five great games. As many games as the Raptors played this year, Marco was probably having a great one. And I can't tell you how many times I've done the same thing where I've recorded an episode, gone back up to my desk or, 
you know, I've been driving home or I'm about to go to sleep and I think to myself, what I, what I just said was completely not right and I don't know how it happens, it just slips, but we're humans, we're, we make mistakes. So Travis wanted to clear that up, so I'll make sure I threw that in before the conversation. And with that, let's jump into my conversation with Colorado Raptors performance analyst, Travis Haugen. All right, now we welcome onto the show Colorado Raptors performance analyst, Travis Haugen. Travis, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. Glad to be here. Good, man. I'm glad to hear that. I'm happy to have you on. I know we've been talking about this since like February, so I'm happy to pin you down and we can jump into it then. So first question, when we ask everybody is where you're from. Uh, yeah, so I'm from uh, Sacramento, California. Um, been lived there pretty much my whole whole life. Yeah. Uh, went, I went to school, high school at Rio Americano. Went to college at Sacramento State. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. How did you get into rugby? Did you start playing in high school or? Yeah, so I started um, my high school. Rio Americano had a club team, um, so I started playing as a junior. I'd been wrestling and playing football, um, and after my sophomore year of wrestling, I decided this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> no offense to anyone. I just, I've heard that about it, wrestling. It, it just wasn't my thing. I have a lot of respect for wrestlers in general and what they do. Um, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, I was decent at it, but wasn't, didn't get me going. And it took my Saturdays. I had like all day right. tournaments on Saturdays. Yeah. I remember hearing that too. That's and they're not usually weren't like that close, right? It's been, yeah. <laughs> drive over here, spend the whole day. Oh yeah. So anyway, um, nothing against wrestling. It just wasn't for me. So I decided to try something new. Um, a lot of my, a lot of my friends on the football team, they'd, Played, they'd played, been playing this thing called rugby. It's like, mm-hmm. what is it? You yeah. know, I knew it was, I had short shorts and that was about it. <laughs> uh, I knew they were kind of maniacs. And so, and a really close friend of mine, uh, Manasa Kikau, his dad, they're, they're from Fiji. Um, they immigrated here when he was about seven or eight. And um, his dad was involved with the rugby team. And I knew his dad well, and I really respected him. And um, he was like, hey, you should really try this. I think you'd be all right at it. And um, the rugby coach came to a football game after the game came and talked to me and said, Hey, you know, we watched you play. We think you'd be good. So yeah, why not Come yeah. try this? Uh, cause I wasn't going to go play baseball. I was, <laughs> no, me either. I was uh, after 10 years old. I was like, all right, baseball is over. Um, yeah. So, uh, gosh, and I, I, I jumped in and two weeks in, I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever yeah. done. And it, it sounds really weird, but I remember thinking like, if there is a way that I could ever earn a dollar playing this game, and I mean just like a dollar, right. I mean a hundred pennies, <laughs> um, that would just be the coolest thing I could ever do with my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, after that, it was just, I got to keep playing this thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I like asking people when they caught the bug because it's a little different for everybody, but like everything, everybody I've asked has been, you know, they caught it. That you, whether it be the first practice or the first game, but it's always like pretty quick, so that's always cool to hear. Oh man, and I was just a, a, a total wreck when yeah. I first started. I didn't understand offsides. Oh yeah, I just knew if there was a dude with the ball, tackle right. him because I was a defensive player in, in football, and right. I was like, okay, that's what I'm good at. And I do just... remember too, like the first couple weeks that I played because I started the same way. I was a junior. I had played football forever, and then. Same same thing. Somebody was like, "Oh, you should come out and try rugby. Like you, you'd be good at it." And I just remember like the first two three weeks of practice, we're doing all these drills, and it was like, 
learning a new language. I was like, I don't see how this is practical at all. Like, what does this even mean? And it wasn't until we started to play, like, the first game or the first scrimmage that, like, finally clicked a little. Like, you got yeah, some I context. a little bit, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's even when people, if I show them rugby, that's honestly the easiest way for me to teach you is, like, to bring you to a touch game or something right. so you understand the way the ball's moving. Uh-huh. You just see it. You know, I can I can show you a game. Right. But, yeah, right. I mean, remember the my first game was just so many penalties. And, like, <laughs> God, I, it's just a, an absolute mess. Yeah, we were bad, too. We didn't win the game that whole first year. We were playing, like, way above our our skill level. But it was fun. Like, and then that second year when we all came back for senior year, it was a lot more fun and made a lot more sense. And, and I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm still hooked because here I am doing this thing. I think so. we all are. We, <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this if we weren't exactly. Hooked. So, all right, now to get into the, the nitty-gritty of what I think I'm super interested in, I know a lot of other people are, is can you explain your job? What is a performance analyst? <laughs> uh, short answer is whatever your coach wants it to be. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, well, really, I, there, there is some truth to that. It depends on what your staff is looking for in an analyst. Some staffs, um, they want more of a video coach. You know, where you kind of are a coach and you're, you're, you're the one who's watching the most video, things like that. There's more, uh, there's more of the stat version of, of all that. Um, you know, or is it just the guy who's taking the video, you know, mm-hmm. even, even that level? Um, we, you know, it depends on who, who your coach, who your head coach is that kind of steers you in that direction. But, um, you know, with, with the Raptors, it was, you know, more the video, more the stats, you know, I'm not sitting there telling guys, Hey, your form is off. What I'll do is if I see something, um, you know, cause I'll take, I'll take the side profile of a scrum and then I'll draw angles on their, um, on their bodies. And we want right. to look for that nice, uh, almost 90 degree knee. And, you know, I was like, Hey, look, I'm seeing most guys are in this, but you know, player X is, yeah. he looks like he might be at a lot of shape, you know, what, do right. with it what you will. <laughs> so a lot of, you know, a lot of it is kind of here's some information, do with it, uh, do with it as you will. Yeah. But I mean, day to day it's, uh, you know, you film trainings. Uh, I've got a drone, I've got the drone controller in yeah. one hand. I've got the camera in another hand. So I've, I've seen you out at practice with the drone flying about you and you're always running around doing different stuff. It looks crazy. <laughs> it looks like busy, a busy few hours. Uh, yeah, you're scamping around the field. You know, the forwards would be in one p- portion, so the backs would be somewhere else. So I'll have the drone over one group. I'll have the camera on another. Um, and then, you know, I try to get try to get that film up within about 30 minutes after training. So yeah. by the time the guys have eaten, uh, it's ready. Wow. And, um, you know, I would love to f- find ways to get that faster. But other than, like, live up- uploading it, that would be pretty tough. Um, yeah, and then... So obviously the the filming, I I run the GPS data as well. Yeah. So we have the little GPS units that you see on you know the guys uh, in between their shoulder blades. Yeah. Yep. You see that little that little pod. Um, so I run the data for that as well. Um, we do that. We run that in trainings. We run that in games. Um, it lets us come up with some weekly thresholds. You know we want we don't want to we want to run them. You know preseason we say okay. We're going to go up to 25K, 25 kilometers uh, in a week. We're uh-huh. going to run up more. And, you know, in a game week, it's more, you know, forwards and backs will be different. But we might say, okay, we want to limit the backs to 15 or 16 yeah. or, you know, something like that. And can um, I ask you a question about that? Is yeah. like, how do you decide those numbers? Like, is it based off previous data or is it just like, 
is it based off research that you've done or you've seen like elsewhere in the in the industry or like how how do you like set those goals for them to meet so it's kind of a it's kind of a mix of all that okay. kind of what you said is yes there are there is re- research and the thing with gps because I'm not going to say it's a brand new field, but it's definitely not something like, you don't, we don't have decades of data on it. Right. Um, so, you know, you kind of rely on what one, you just see what successful teams are doing. And when you talk to their analysts, you say, Hey, what kind of thresholds are you guys working with? Some of it is just, you know, just speaking to other people and what they do. Um, there is some data out there that you can, we can look at and see, you know, okay, when you hit, you know, uh, this threshold, you're looking at, you might be looking at higher inju- injury potential. Okay. potential, And so with that, it's kind of, um, you, you just take all those things and balance it. And then again, you know, you, your coaches, they're the ones deciding. I'm not the strength conditioning coach. Right. Uh, I'm just saying, hey, here's the data. Right. Here's what I've got and here's what I understand it as. Uh, you know, we sit around the table and we talk about, you know, we all put our two cents in and then we kind of right. come up with what we want because we might say, something slightly different but right I, I think that's so interesting like I'm very interested in the GPS thing but it's almost to it's almost a, in a way that's because like you said it is newer I don't know anything about it's like I don't know so you don't even know what to ask you about, about it because it's uh, like foreign to me it, it's they're they're pretty um they're pretty amazing units they right. can they can track all kinds of things and, you know you know, the same way that your Apple Watch can track how many steps you take and things yeah. like that. Yeah, these can do that, but these have a lot more specialized um, gyro- gyrometers and things in there, uh-huh. um, accelerometers and things like wow. that. And you can get you can get some. Um, you know, they can. I can tell if you've sprinted, and then I I can also break it down into like were you moving at two meters per second, three meters wow. per second. So I've got all these <laughs> thresholds and things broken up to where I can see. And it was great because it gives us some, um, some again, thresholding for what the GPS is. If I can say, okay, your average running time, running interval in a game is, if it's 40 seconds, um, you know, we can compare it to ball and play time. You say the average ball and play time is, you know, 30-something seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then, and then your average, if your average run interval is somewhere around that, we say, okay, well, let's train for higher than that so right because um then that 30 seconds will be easier right right exactly exactly (laughs) and sometimes what they call the worst case scenario and again i'm no i'm not a i'm not a i don't have a phd in data science so i'm going off what i get told by (laughs) smarter people than me right um but you know there's the worst case scenario which um hugh bevan the snc for the eagles talks about a lot is uh, when the when the U.S. was playing, I believe it was Ireland, they ran into a ball and play time of like two minutes and 30 seconds, which is very high. And yeah. they, their guys were just gassed. Yeah. Um, and so they kind of, they've started training for that worst case scenario. Yeah. So the 45 second ball and play time, 45 seconds of run time is not so bad. Yeah. And then we also know, okay, your average sprint is about 15 meters. So when we, if we do sprint work, we kind of know where to, where to gauge some of those things. That's interesting. And it's crazy to think this is something I'll ask you later on, but like just how far it's come from even just when I think about playing football and it's just like, just go run, you know, oh. we're just going to run you to death. Like how, just how, You're just going to bear crawl yes, suicides exactly. across the field. Yeah. yeah kill do me. shirt sees in the gym and all yeah, that. No. So, um, I, I guess I'll ask you what a typical match week looks like for you. Cause I know, just from conversations we've had in the past, it's not so much 
Saturdays that stink, but it's Sundays, right? Like you, your Sundays, you're locked in the room for 12 stink hours. Stink is a literal word <laughs> because I'm in my room for about 15 yeah. hours yeah. just reeking. <laughs> so <laughs> if you could just kind of take us through uh, what a match week looks like for you. Okay, so um, we'll start with, we'll just assume the game is Saturday. Yeah. So Monday is a, assuming we're coming off a previous game, Monday is kind of a lighter day. Uh, Monday is kind of film review day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do our review and I'll kind of, because I'm starting on a Monday, I'll get to the Sunday and what that yeah, film review will look sure. like. But um, really it's review and then we'll go outside. We'll, the, the boys will go train in the gym um, and then we'll go out in the field and we'll do some walkthroughs. We'll do some uh, some installs of whatever we want to put in for the, you know, wh- whoever our next opponent is on the uh, upcoming game. Um so Monday is kind of light, and then we're usually done by noon. Well, the, the team's done. You know that means the st- you know the staff. Right. We're never done when they're done. <laughs> um, believe it or not, we we actually do some work. Um, but so then afterwards, kind of going through, and Monday is kind of I use I use Monday to kind of refine some of the statistics and things, and because um, I give my reports and everything, I give them I put them out Sunday night. Yeah. Or some, if depending on how long it took me, sometimes Monday morning. Um, so then they have that to go over on Monday. And then Monday is kind of my personal time to start diving into stats that I might care about more that the coaches haven't asked me to look at, but I think, oh, there might be something here. Let me go, mm-hmm. let me look into this and see what I can find. Um, most of the time it's a rabbit hole that goes nowhere, but right. <laughs> you, know, you, you got to because you, you, you know, gotta the, explore those things though. The one in 50 times you find something, it's like, oh, hey, this yeah. might be something. Um, Tuesday is kind of back into full, full on. So we'll have the morning session. We'll be out in the field. I'll just record that. Um, get get the training uploaded. Uh, I break it break it into individual drills. So you know the guys aren't watching a forty minute session. Um, they're watching the six minutes we spent on rucking, and then mm-hmm. the you know if we did strike moves with the backs, you know yeah. that's that's its own little video. So it's kind of broken into it. Um, broken up like that for them. Um, Wednesday is usually off. Yeah. So, and, sorry, and Tuesday is kind of a double. We'll usually have morning gym, morning session on the field, break for lunch, come back, go on the field again. But again, same stuff, just right. recording the, the training. And then, um, and Wednesday then was podcast it. day. That's what I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wednesday is yeah. a day that, you know, if mar- you know marketing needs guys or, uh, right. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of the media relation day. Uh, you know, if they're going to volunteer, which, you know, the staff joins up with them sometimes too. Right. Um, Thursday is a lot like Tuesday. Um, it's you know, going to be a higher contact, maybe not as high contact as Tuesday, but, um, similar where it's a double day, same kind of same drill there. Um, and then, you know, also getting game prep ready for, or more, more kind of the, the last minute things for, for the weekend. Friday is usually a light day. It's usually travel day. Yeah. Um, you know, um, this past season was great cause I was no longer the manager. It was right. just the analyst. So I got <laughs> to actually just do my analysis stuff, which yeah. is, so didn't have to deal with, you know, booking flights and vans yes, and all that, all that, uh, mess that I'm not good at. That sounds like a headache. I'm a, an analytical blue person. I, I want to focus on, Right. My little piece of the pie. I can't, I'm not the person who can manage the whole pie. Um, game day. Um, 
you know, we're at the stadium a couple hours early. Uh, you know, I, I do help with getting the, getting the training room set up, getting the jerseys ready. Cause you know, again, where MLR is at, we don't have a, you know, a sit, support staff where right. it just comes in and gets the locker room ready. You know, we've got coaches doing that. We've got, you know, your analyst doing that. We've got your trainer doing that. Uh-huh. And, um, so then I, once we've got that, the play, usually the players arrive in about an hour and a half before I go find the TV truck. Um, and so that's when I hook into, um, I hook my laptop into their live video feed. So that's how I can do my analysis live. Yeah. Um, during the game. Um, I do that analysis and then at halftime I come in with a little report for the coaches. Um, if we, if we need to, we can, um, cause I'm, I'm on a radio with the coaches as well. And if they say, Hey, Trav, mark this as a missed opportunity, okay. um, I'll mark it. And then we can show that in the halftime. If okay. there's a, t- yeah, if there's a TV was, in that there. That was going to be my next question is like, what kind of things that you would do like at halftime? Cause that seems like such a fast turnaround time to have literally anything ready to show so, anybody. I would love to say that I have every possible stat available live, but right. I don't. So yeah. live is more, I'm almost kind of just cutting down my, my getting some of the stuff out of the way for the, the post-match review. So, okay. um, what I do live is I, I, you know, I, I, um, mark out offense, defense, basically there's all these video clips that, um, so as soon as the game's done, I can give the coaches files so they can watch all the lineouts. They can watch all the scrums. Mm-hmm attack defense turnovers you know kind of penalties basic things like that yeah and then i also mark kind of uh ruck counts penalty counts tackle counts uh, missed tackle counts so kind of more broad things i probably i probably track maybe 50 things during the game where um which we can get to now i guess is sunday which is the, the bear of the day um sunday is when i take you know i i wake up early um some guy, well, I mean, some guys will stay up all night and get get it done. Then I personally believe sleep is too important, right? Uh, especially when you're working 70, 80 hours a week, you, you need yeah, the sleep. Yeah, you need so, sleep when you can. Yeah. Um, so you get up on Sunday and you load up the game on. Uh, I use a software called Knack Sport. Um, it's similar to you know, uh, Sports Code is kind of the giant in the industry. Um, they all fairly similar. Yeah. Um, so. Basically, what it lets me do is um, make tags for every player. So basically, I go through the game pretty much frame by frame, and every action that happens, I, it gets to a, gets assigned to a player. So if you if you played a game, I would have every time you rucked, every time you kicked, passed, tackled, uh, anytime you were in a lineout, if you lifted in that lineout, if you jumped in that lineout, if the lineout was su- was successful, because um, it's nice to know. Hey, even if you weren't necessarily the jumper or lifter, you still have some impact on right. that, on how that out the outcome of that line out. And so it's nice to know what your success rate is because then it helps you kind of compare against other positions. Um, sorry, I'm getting in the weeds. No, a bit. that's okay. I, that's I, I want people to, I, I, this is uh, what I want. I'm, I'm into <laughs> this. Travis. I get, I, I have a tendency to go a little, a little far in this stuff, but, um, so like you have to you have to do that for every single person individually. Then is that why it takes so long? It, yeah. So so I you're mean, literally doing that like one through. So three. I basically just watch the game, and at, let's say you know um, we have the ball, and um, the, we're at we're at a ruck. So I mark who 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 carried that ball in. Did they did they make the gain line? 
or they neutral on the gain line or they get driven back. Did we lose gain line? So that gets all gets uh, tagged to them. So they they'll have a carry, and then it'll say gain line, yes, no, or, or neutral. Okay. Um, then I'll say who was in the ruck, who was the first arriver, who was the second arriver. I stopped doing third arrival because it's a pain in the ass, and <laughs> I don't know how much it's really telling me. Right. Um, and then let's say so, Carlo. Uh, let's you know, I'm just using Raptors right. players. So um, if, if if the nine comes, if Carlo comes up and makes a pass, I press the Carlo button, and then I, and then he makes the pass, and I say, okay, was that good or bad? I basically, there's a, there's a box, you know, kind of like a batter's box right. in baseball. Yeah. Um, and if it's outside that box, if they have to reach kind of their face, uh, or maybe maybe eyebrows and above, yeah. or if it's below, like mid thigh, yeah, it's a bad pass. If it's in that box, that kind of torso range, mm-hmm. that's a good pass. Um, if it's behind them, bad pass, you know, yeah. things like that. So anyway, just it's just going bit by bit, and then who catches it? They carry. Did they make gain line? Did they not? Oh, did, were they it just neutral? Starts all over yeah, exactly. Again. It's just over. So you can you can spend forty minutes and then look up and see the game clock has moved. Like let's say you're on a goal line stand. Oh man, I was just thinking like, man, what was like? There was a couple matches this year, maybe the Nola match, where there's seriously like eighteen phase sequences that I can imagine would take hours. Like yeah, so. Right, because it's kind of like eighteen phases. That's that's cool and it's exciting to. Yeah. The reason I do this job is I like it. It's exciting. Right. I, I love rugby. I love the you know I love working here and everything. But um, so eighteen phases, it's great. I'm excited. <laughs> the fan part of me is excited, but the analyst is like, "Oh come on!" Yeah. Like, yeah, you can if if a team is like knocking on the on the goal line, you can spend forty minutes and look up and and the game clock is moved by like a minute and a oh, half and dude. it's just oh kill me. <laughs> So, I don't know what the what the best question to ask would be. What, how many? I don't know if it's how many times do you think with film study and everything do you watch a match? Like how many times do you watch it start to finish, or how long does it take you to watch one match when you're doing? So when you're, when you're analyzing all of this, if we, so I I'd pretty much do it in two goes. Um, the first go is very. Um, frame by frame, and I watch everything. I probably watch every action about six or seven times just to make sure right. I've got every attribute that I want. Because, you know, like I said, I track about 50 things live, but I track about 400 things um, post-match right. in, in, the, in the the bigger analysis. So it's, um, yeah, I, gosh, I mean, I probably... I've probably seen every every second of the game six or seven times, and then I go oh. back through when I'm when I'm what. So I do that, and that's on a player basis. And then I go back through, and I watch each turnover, each penalty, and dive into those, and you know why they happen, um, how much ground did we lose because of them, et cetera. Um, so it you know it's just uh, you're just diving down little rabbit holes. Oh, it's just man. like a sequence of rabbit holes that right. you dive down one, you finally make it out, you catch some get some fresh air. You maybe walk to the kitchen, um, <laughs> grab a snack, yeah. look outside at all the happy people in the pool and in the sunshine, and then go back to your little go back to your cave. Dan, yeah, and man, because when I so like how I do it, and it's completely different. But when I'm doing it just for like writing recaps or like picking out things that I want to like write about or even like talk about on the podcast, like always watch the match live once, 
And when I worked for MLR, I would take notes when I was doing it. But now when I watch it live, like, I don't. Like, I try to only mark scoring plays. And then first thing I do next day is I'll wake up early like you. Not probably not as early, but I'll watch the match again. Take, like, as detailed notes about it as I can. Then that usually allows me enough to write my article or whatever. And then, like, the first thing I'll do when I come in on Monday is I'll watch one more time just to make sure, like, everything... You know, I've got everything down and I want to talk about it. Like if I have players in for like an interview, like I want to make sure that I have, you know, enough knowledge about it to talk about it. And I thought I was doing a lot, but I'm not. Hey, honestly, you're watching it more than the players do. So <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're doing other things. This is like <laughs> supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, good no. or bad. Um, no, geez, I, did, I wouldn't have thought you would have to watch it that much. I, I, do, I just I, like, I just know so little about. Right. Your well, world. I don't know anything about this either. So we're learning. But. I don't know. I tried. The last one's probably a little overboard. And even by the last one, I would, you know, enough knowledge of the game. It would be like, okay, literally nothing that I need to talk about is <laughs> happening in this like 10, 15 minutes span. So I can like skip, skip, skip. And then I would love to do that. Yeah. I would love to skip, skip, skip in the last 10 <laughs> minutes of the game. So the third one is very abbreviated, but it's enough. That's when, that's when I'll go through and like, I'll count those phases. Like in the, in certain games, you know, where it's like a really, they've had the ball, you know, they possess the ball, they're playing with the ball. That's when I'll go through and count like phases and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, but that's kind of my little process for this. So, hey, you could you're not you could be an analyst. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know I, if I could sit in a room and honestly watch over and over. What and I'm over doing over. is not much different, you know. And people be like, hey, so you know, how could I do some? If I want basic stats, like I'll talk to a high school coach yeah. or you know a college coach, and it's like honestly pen and a napkin you can do yeah. a lot of this stuff it's it's i have a software that lets me do you know like i said 300 400 different things and they're all each time i tag it it's also tagged the video right so if i tagged if tagged you for a carry because yeah. this video then goes to the players right um sorry i'm kind of mixing these two topics oh, but anyway it, it, it at the basic level it's just watching and taking notes that's really what it is yeah just mine happens to come with video so I give it to the players. I give them, I give a player, uh, you know, they'll get a three or four minute clip of just every action they did throughout the game, every ruck tackle, all that. You can break it up into all your, just your tackles, just your rucks and they can watch it. And so that's a lot, it's a great way to watch it. I mean, obviously the software adds a lot of power, but, um, you know, there's, you know, if you're a lower level coach or, you know, if you're in the, Lower level meaning you don't have a budget. Yeah, you don't have the funding. Yeah, yet. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with writing it on a piece of paper and saying, you know, we had for, we had six turnovers in the first half. That tells you something, right? For sure. So, how did you get this job? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Uh, <laughs> I'm still figuring that one out. Yeah. Um. So I played here for the Raptors. Yeah. Um. And. Once I decided it was time for me to hang it up, um, I'd, I'd been bashed around enough. My right. body, is, is, it was time. Yeah. Um, I, I anyway, went to my nine to five job and I was just like, what do I do with myself? Right. I'd get home on a Tuesday or a Thursday, you know, the, the standard training nights and like I'd have four hours to do nothing. Like what, what's going on? So it, it Immediately, I um, so at the time, uh, Dave Williams was the head coach, and uh, Karen Browner, Teddy, was the forwards coach. And I went to them and said, "Hey guys, look." Um, but at, when I told them that I was going to 
that I was done playing, I, I was like, look, but I would love to stick around. Um, you know, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go nuts if I'm not around this stuff. I, I Rugby took me through high school, took me through college. I played all through the college. I went and played in New Zealand for a while. Um, you know, it's it had been driving my life for the last eight, nine years. And so it was uh, to just go cold turkey was not an option. So I just said, look, you know, do you need someone to hold the camera? Because I, I knew that um, we'd, we'd just started filming trainings. Yeah. Which sounds, you know, <laughs> sounds ridiculous now. Right. But we'd just get like an injured guy right. to hold a camera just to film certain parts so we could watch it again. I was like, look, you know, I'll come hang out. I just want to hang out. I'd love to keep working out with the guys. So I'd come in the mornings. I'd still lift with them. So that first season, that was the first season of MLR. Uh So I I stopped playing right, right before before MLR, which was, it it gets itchy playing. (laughs) Like you're watching guys that like you played alongside and now they're, they're playing in this MLR thing. It's like, oh man, (laughs) we were, you know, we were technically professional before, like we got little paychecks, but. So I accomplished that that goal right. when I when I first yeah. started playing. I was like, oh man! But like, anyway. So it was um, it was really just a way to hang around. I love I love the group of guys. I love you know I love rugby, um, the community of it, the ethos. Right. It's all just too good to walk away from. So really, I was just leaving work to come film trainings. And yeah. I, you know, I think they paid me a little bit. It was just more just to, so I wasn't losing money from leaving my other mm-hmm. job because I was hourly. So, you know, if I left early there, it was basically they'd, they'd give me like 30 bucks to cover what I missed. So, I, you know, wasn't making any money doing it, but it was just to, for my sanity. Um, God, this is a long winded version. <laughs> Feel free right. to just like, no, you know, you're good. Cut the, yeah, the, the, the middle. Okay. No. Um, so no, keep going. Um, yeah. So basically it was just a way for me to stick around and then. After that first year of MLR, that 2018 season, we, uh, um, I was pretty much pretty much decided I was going to move back to California. Um, I'd gotten a job offer there from a utility company, great job, really great great pay, all that. I was going to yeah. go back home, live, you know, be around my family and everything. Um, but I was like, you know what? How cool would it be to like if I could get this a job like this? If this could be my job? So I and basically I went to the you know. Um, and to their credit, you know, Dave Williams and, and Ted Browner, they were totally behind it. I went to them first. I was like, Hey, do you think this is an option? Um, and they said, Hey, I mean, we'd su- we'll support you, you know, right. we'll, we'll back your, your thing. So I basically wrote a bid, um, sent it in to Mark Bullock, the director of rugby at Glendale and said, Hey, look, here's what I've been doing at the time. I wasn't coding games. I was just mm-hmm. filming and then they'd take me to games and I'd film it. And then, you know, we had like very minimal breakdown. What I was telling them is like, look, here's what I'm doing on 15 or 20 hours a week. Here's what I could be doing on 40 hours or here's a job. You need this. (laughs) Right. You need an, you need someone to be doing this. Um, here's what the job would look like. Here's the job description. By the way, I think you should hire me to do it. (laughs) Um, so I, and you know, after they said no twice and because just, you know, budgetary reasons, but kind of kept pushing and then. A couple of weeks before I was slated to leave and go home, it was, uh, was like, look, hey, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And then it, it happened. So, yeah. you know, Mark called me and said, hey, we got approval. You're on. Nice. All right. So There you go. I so, like that. You made your own, made your own position. Squeaky I, wheel gets the grease. That's what they say, right? <laughs> I got, yeah, it was cool. I got to 
write my own job description. So I snuck in there that I still got to work out with the team. <laughs> That's good. That's good thinking. <laughs> That's awesome though. Um, what do you like most about your job? Um, I just, I love that I get to be in rugby. Um, mm -hmm. I get to work with the players fairly closely, um, which is, that's, that's probably what I love the most is working with the players, working with the guys, getting that, that, those relationships, um, that bond. It's not quite the same as when you're a player, you know, right. you have, when, the, when you're on the field with guys, you know, that's a bond that right. almost nothing can touch. Right. Um, as a staff member, it's not the same, but you're still all, you're still you're all, every one of you is all in, yeah. um, you know, you're all giving your hundred percent, you know, I'm not giving my hundred percent on the field, but you know, the, I think the players understand that, you know, I'm doing as much work as I can yeah. off. You to, literally to, don't have Sundays. So you, your Sundays <laughs> not. You know, so we're, <laughs> you know, we're all working hard and, right. uh, th so there's that camaraderie and plus, you know, working with, like I said earlier, the, the ethos of rugby, um, it just fits me so well, um, that I, man, I, I get to work, my, my coworkers are rugby coaches. I'm not stuck in a cubicle. Yeah. You know, I, it just, it fits my lifestyle so well. I can, I go out, I'm in the sunshine, even if I'm flying a drone, yeah. you know, yep. um, which is actually quite fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, I, I, you know, it, the settings are varied. I get to travel a little yep. bit. Um, I just get to do something that I'm proud. Well, clearly like I've been sitting here rambling about my job for, yeah. You know, close to forty minutes here, and it's because I, I love it. It beats you know, working. It's huh? something I'm, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, we've all. I think most of us have had those office yes. jobs, and you know, God bless them. They they put food on the table, but right. if there's something if you can work in your passion, man, that's that's worth a pay cut. It's tough to beat for sure. Mm -hmm. So, what is the most challenging part of your job? <laughs> uh just one, huh? Yeah, um, well, I guess I want to ask too is like, if what what would your job look like if this was in like the NBA or something? Like, oh how boy. many people would be doing your job? Ooh, okay. Um, I guess I'll start with the most challenging because that'll that'll kind of lead okay, into what you're what you're yeah, getting. I figured at there. it was sort of yeah, related. There, <laughs> so I so the most challenging is that I'm a one man band. Um, mm. You know, um, it's just me doing the analysis. So while that is incredibly freeing. Um, it means like no one's really telling me what to do. Obviously the coaches have things they want to look at. Like, you know, the coaches are my bosses, but mm -hmm. you know, I still have a lot of freedom and, and leeway in what I want to look into or what I think might be important, which is great. So it let, gives me enthusiasm to do what I'm doing. Right. It, it makes working that 12 hour day. No, not near as demoralizing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it would be in an office. Right. But, um, but so one of the biggest challenge about being one man band is because I'm self-directed. I, I might have all these pie in the sky ideas, but I gotta, I gotta rein myself in and say, yeah. okay, what's realistic? One, what can I realistically like gather? What data can I actually get? Uh -huh. And then is it even going to be useful? Cause there's all these things. I'm always going to the coaches like, Hey, it'd be really cool if we did this or that and that, if I could count these things and then it might turn into this and then they're like, okay, what, what does that tell us? Like, ah, <laughs> shit you're right <laughs> okay yeah. so you know it is because um if data doesn't influence um if it doesn't influence action if right. it doesn't tell you something and, and and you act upon it it's useless um 
So, you know, if I give them a bunch of stats that are meaningless, don't, they don't tell them how to better code, you know, how they might, if it doesn't give them any insight into how they might tweak something, um, what's the point? If right. it, de- if data doesn't inform decision, then why? Well, yeah. Why so are you? that's kind of that, that little it, data must, data has to inform decision. Um, I kind of keep that, that's kind of my mantra. I keep that going. Yeah. So in my head, like if I start working on something new, I got, yeah, I just got to be careful where I'm spending my time because right. there's a lot to do. And, and I feel like you don't have that much time to right. Like if you burn up an hour doing this and then it, it turns out like, Oh crap, I could have been doing this. I would have, you know, <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I ask my girlfriend what, <laughs> what week, what weekday evenings uh, yeah. look like sometimes <laughs> or, or don't look like cause she right. wouldn't see me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so really it's kind of, it's tempering my expectations and, and the coaches, you know, they, they might come to me with something, Hey, Trav, it'd be really cool if we track this. And I'm sitting here in my head thinking like, wow, that's a massive ass ache to track. <laughs> I'm not even sure how I do it, you know? And so I have to kind of be honest with them and, and, you know, the staff here has been, been great, you know, mm-hmm. Pete and then Stevie and Luke. And, um, if I say, Hey, I, I can't. Right. So that kind of leads into what you were asking. If, if this were a, an NBA thing, um, from what I understand, you know, again, I'm, I, uh, I can't speak for every team, but you know, like a team, like an NBA team, like the 76ers, they're well known for being a highly analytical team. Really? Um, I didn't know that. They've got like eight or nine analysts. Wow. Um, so and they've got people with PhDs. I'm a I'm a dude with a business major who played <laughs> rugby and right. just wanted to hang around and then decided to do this stuff. And, right. You know, um, I was moderately techie, so <laughs> it fit. But, you know, perfect world for me would be um, if I had someone else, if I had, a, if I had that data science, uh, you know, if I had someone with a master's in data science who really knew what to, how to manipulate data and really start running correlations and regressions and things like that stuff that I'm aware of, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a data, data scientist, so I know the rugby side Yeah, and I can, I can kind of be that bridge of the data scientist comes up with something and says, Hey, I, I've got some really cool data here. And then I can say, okay, here's how that might relate to the coaches. Um, so I can kind of be that middle ground. That would yeah. be ideal. Um, I can work, I can work more of the rugby stuff. They can work more of the, I would still need them to know rugby, right? But, um, you know, that would be, that would be great. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure somebody exists, right? They just are not maybe stateside. <laughs> well, right. So that's when you get into, you know, if you, if you go overseas there, they have teams, you know, right. they've got three, four five people. Um, they've got an intern, mm. um, you know, oh God, I would kill for an intern. <laughs> Hey, maybe maybe we could generate some interest in an intern from this show, if anything. Yeah, I'll give you a dollar a week. It'll come out of my pocket. <laughs> That's what you wanted, right? That was like your goal <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah. So um, it was. That so challenging is just you, right. It's it's kind of being a one man band. There's only so much I can do. So it's got to how do I manage my time to do things that are worthwhile? How am I the most efficient with that time? Yeah, I could see a long-winded that. way of. That's the short answer to my very long-winded <laughs> question. I can see that for sure. Um, let's see if I, I was thinking if I wanted to jump ahead, but we can just go to this one. Is how how has your job changed the way that you 
like watch and consume rugby? Like even when you're not working or even other sports, like do you watch a football game and like do you think with this side of your brain like while you're watching it's just like watching a game on Monday night or something like that? It's yeah, it's it's definitely changed the way I, I see things. Um so in after right after high school I started coaching freshman football. Oh yeah. Um and even then last year well, that was the first time I'd started coaching and I actually I loved it. Um, but even then, I, you know, I'd start teaching things. I was no expert. I was a good high school player. I was right. good at my position. Um, but I was, I was, you know, I wasn't a college player or anything like that. Um, I didn't have crazy expertise, but I'm watching these things. And then I'm teaching these things, these, these 14 year olds. And then I'm watching an NFL game and they, they oh, and, you know, I'm watching, I start, you start watching, you know, you start, you start instead of watching what you know the who the quarterback's throwing the ball to you're watching the linemen and you're saying oh okay i i see what blocking scheme they're right. using here you know so you know to kind of move on from the football aspect is that with rugby gosh yeah i mean after a couple of years of this it's like when i when the this this last world cup this right. 2019 world cup i told myself Shut up! Stop yeah. being an analyst. Just Enjoy, be a fan. Yeah. Just be a fan. Just ball watch. Just do. Just right. Just be a look de loo and and have a good time. Um, but a lot of times when I am watching the games, yeah, I'm looking at. I'm like, oh, that was a really nice strike move, and I'll go back. And then, oh, so what? Did, what did they do here? Or you know, I'm counting guys on rocks because that can be a great way to you know a really um, something I've learned is a really sneaky way to send the ball back the other other way is to hide a lot of guys into a ruck. Really? If you see six players and six or seven players in a ruck, it's probably you kind of you kind of disregard them, right? Right. Like, oh, that's like, oh, just yeah, a pile right. of. And then as soon as they drop back, they bam, they reload. You got six guys, and you might have only you might only have three defenders on right. the side. Anyway, so I'm looking at crap like that, uh, or like you know I'm counting phases, and so sometimes I have to tell myself that hey, dude, just just enjoy this. Yeah. You know when I'm watching, especially when I'm watching this. Uh, the the super rugby are on right now the Altaria I can't I can't say it either I I, I've been generally avoiding and then every time we like talk to Pete and he says like perfect yeah I wish I, I could know. just say that word you know so <laughs> sorry to all the Kiwis yes any, any Kiwis I've apologized here too um, uh, but I love that super's on and I'm just like hey just watch it but yeah I mean there is a part of my brain that tries to be like okay so what's the analyst think right. <laughs> I bet I can I can imagine it's tough to turn that part of your brain off. Um, and then I guess like another question I wanted to ask, and you already did touch on a little bit, but just how new a position like yours is, like in American rugby, like does, do these positions exist in other MLR teams? Um, they're starting to. Mm-hmm. The first year, so the twenty eighteen season. Um, I'm not sure that any any MLR team had one, but again, 2018, I wasn't doing right. You I, weren't doing. This I had a full time job stuff, outside. Right? Of like yeah. you know, this was just something I did, and I I traveled with them on the weekends, and you know, but I was just kind of half half you know, one foot in, one foot right. out kind of thing as best I could. But um, I would you know, teams are starting to get one. I know. Um, you know, I I think there are three teams that have a dedicated analyst. I know some of the newer teams that are coming in this year. Um, they they are bringing in analysts as well. I think more teams are recognizing that it is something like, you know, any competitive edge you can get 
it's you, you need it. So mm-hmm. it's just I think as teams, whether they have the budget for it or not, or whether right. their owners want to budget Invest for it that. or not, yeah, because it, it is an investment. You know, you got right. you got to pay someone. You could do this. You could try to do this job part time, but you'd be doing it yourself a disservice, and you'd be doing the team a disservice. Right. Um, it does seem like something you have to be like all in or all out because. You know, like you've already talked about, like how much time it even takes up, but just like exp- taking the time to explore all of these different rabbit holes, like as, as you're saying, so like, th- like you already mentioned it, some of those are important, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so in the U.S., it, it's definitely gaining traction. And, you yeah. know, we, um, those of us that are, you know, there, and there are, anal- there are a couple analysts that do things on the college level um, as well. So I mean, we've got a little group where we, we touch base every now and then check in on each other, make yeah. sure, you know, see, see what each other are doing. Things like are that. eating and sleeping. And yeah. <laughs> you know, mental health. Yeah. Um, we can, we can bitch about the same things to each other, you know, things yeah. like that. Um, but in then, you know, worldwide, obviously, you know, your, your, your professional teams abroad, they've all got one, two, three analysts on the, on their staffs at least, um, yeah. you know, international teams they've got a, a, a little group of four at least yeah. um so it's it's but it's getting tra- it's definitely something it's still a fledgling thing in the u.s at the moment yeah i mean if i can get in right. you know again i don't <laughs> i'm not a data scientist yeah. i i mean there are people majoring in sports analytics like right. you know here's to hoping they don't come take my job yes i think you got it locked down but that, that's a perfect segue into my next question is how did you learn to do this? Like, because you've said you you wrote your own job description, like you made your own position here. What was there somebody that like you knew that was sort of doing this in a way that you could be like, hey, am I doing this right? Or like, what can I do better? Or was this seriously all like self taught? Like, is this all from your own research, trial and error? How did you learn how to do this job? Um, the vast majority is self taught. Yeah. Um, I, I knew there was software out there that could do this kind of stuff. And, um, but even learning that, like, that's gotta be hard, right? To, oh. <laughs> to not like have any experience it's, like with that software and then trying to, you can, there's a certain amount you can do at the basic level. You can just pick it up and run with it. You know, if, if I sat you down for 30 minutes and said, here's how you do real basics, you could cut, you could chop out line outs, attack, defense, things like that. Okay. It, it wouldn't be that it's, they, they, you know, the, the softwares make it simple. Um, so a, a lot of it was, yeah, just me. Like the first year, I, I think I coded maybe a hundred different attributes in a game. Yeah. A um, hundred different details. Yeah. Like I said, now I'm up to about 400. So it's just, yeah. which is annoying sometimes when I want to go back and compare past data. It's right. like, oh, I didn't track that back then. Yeah. Um, because, you know, this is a lot of this is self-taught. I'm st- you know, even, uh, even this season I'm calling other analysts and like, Hey, what's your definition of a missed tackle? Yeah. What are you actually calling that? Cause you know, anyway, it's, there's a lot of give and take, but then also, um, Jimmy Harrison, he's, he's been the, the U S analyst. Uh-huh. Uh, he was a huge help. Yeah. Um, he, you know, I'd be, I used sports code for the first couple months. Um, and that's what they use. That's what he uses. And, you know, he was a big help in learning just kind of how things work. And he's been a huge resource for me. Um, just, you know, even I, now that I'm on a different system than him, it's still, like I said, it's pretty much the same, same thing. And I can call him like, Hey, so I'm running into this issue. How do you do it? Or, you know, 
what do you look at or mm-hmm. what's your you know what what what's your equation for you know player efficiency or something so um yeah it's leaning on other people yeah um, i can imagine you know there are courses and things out there in the world you can do and take um there are majors there there right. are, you know you can get you a can degree in this stuff <laughs> um so i don't i don't profess to by any means be some worldwide expert i just happen to be the guy here who wanted to do it yeah, I think wanting to do it is probably the biggest part because then yeah. you put in the work to learn For sure. all these different things. And, you know, plus, I mean, I think I am pretty analytical in general. Um, yeah. So it fits my personality. So, yeah. And, that always helps too. Uh, let's see. I guess we've, we've kind of already talked about like some of the things that you look for when you're analyzing data. So I'm trying to think if there's like a better way to ask you this, I guess, like what, Aside from the score, I guess, like, what are a few of the most important, I don't know, like stats or something that you look oh. for? Hmm. <laughs> Scores and tries and all of that, you know. Yeah, so what's interesting, right now I'm running some, um, I do have a data science, um, data scientist person, data scientist helping me, data scientist person, of course, or yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I do have a data scientist helping me with some things right now. We're running through some different um, correlations. And um, yeah, obviously, try scored is a right. big indicator like, of win. Right. You know, so we, we can look at the basics of those things. But, you know, um, for instance, we're just... Uh, I wonder so, if this would be a better way to ask is like, how can you tell if somebody had a good game? Hmm. Like a player? Yeah. Okay. So I personally love positive involvements per minute. Okay. So anytime you do something in a game, if you ruck, if you pass the ball, you tackle, those are all involvements. If you make a tackle, you get an involvement. And then if now, based on if that tackle was good, if it was a bad tackle, you're going to get a negative involvement because, well, you you sucked. (laughs) Sorry to say it. Yeah. That's the, that's the proper analytical term is you sucked. You sucked. Yep. <laughs> um, so basically after a game, you're going to come out with, uh, you know, well, depending on the position, right. But you'll come out with anywhere between 50 and 80 or 90 involvements in a game. And then, so we take how many of those are positive and then we divide those by how many minutes you played. So okay. that tells us how often you're doing good a good action. Yeah. You know, and a player's, you know, depend. A player might only have three or four negative, negative um, involvements, mm-hmm. but basically, so yeah, we come up with an equation like that, and then when you see it against the, the whole team, you say, okay, who are our most productive people? Okay. For instance, um, a good example from this past season is, is uh, our prop, our tight head prop, Marco Fapuliai. Yeah. Um, Man, he would. You'd watch a game, right? Like you'd watch it as yeah. a, you know, if you're a fan or whoever. You think, oh yeah, he had a pretty good game, and then you come in in the stats and you look at like as a prop to, for him to be one of the highest involvements per minute and one of the very highest positive involvements per minute on the team. He's outworking. Like to me, that's a really good work rate stat. Um, there's probably analysts if they hear this, like, oh no, this guy's an idiot. There's there's way better. There's way yeah. better things. If so, please uh, yeah. please contact me. I want to hear it. <laughs> Um, love the feed. I love feedback, but um, to to see someone like that getting, you know, let's say he had a so for instance an involvement per minute, a really good score is like 0. 0.75 to 0. 0.85. Yeah, 
if he's up there with our flankers in that point eight range, like, wow. Yeah. That's a prop. He's working. That's, that's a prop. That he's working as, you know, you know, usually a lot of, some coach, some guys, you expect a prop to just scrum, lift and line out, make your tackles, right. you know, your job is there to scrum. But anyway, so things like that, um, you know, work rate type, type things are really good. It tells you, um, you know, tackle made percentage. That's always good. You know, we'll yeah. do a defensive player uh, each of the week. You know, yeah. and how many dominant tackles they had versus how many neutrals, how many negatives. Um, you know, I mean, the how do you, how do you tell if a player had a good game? It's it's funny because like, we'll you know the the staff on a Monday will come together Monday morning and we'll say, okay, who's your player of the game? We'll kind of go around, and it's interesting how. Sometimes we all agree because yeah. one guy has a standout game, you know, right. something, you know, someone has a hat trick. Like it's easy, like Utah, like, oh, yeah, Rooney Ranger punching two tries. Yep. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, okay. So that was the thing is right. that, that specific game, I'm sitting there and that, that's good you mentioned that. I'm sitting yeah. there. I'm like, hey, guys, it was Marco. Yeah. Here's the stats. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm For just. For all these reasons that right. you just mentioned, right? Exactly. You know, so, uh, Marco, you're welcome for the. <laughs> shout out um he i was gonna say every time someone talks about marco on the show i gotta mention i rode with him in the car for like two hours back before the season started he literally did not say one word like i think it was like when he showed up he was like what's up and then put his headphones in yeah we try to ask him stuff and then when we dropped him off he's like all right man thank you and he's he made a few words he just plays rugby he's normally yeah I, you know what <laughs> you gotta works. you gotta love it yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a freaking workhorse um uh yeah he's a he, he's quiet most of the time when you get him to you know when he's not quiet that's, that's a lot of fun <laughs> um so yeah i mean back to kind of what you're saying is yeah i mean how do you know if someone had a good game is Personally, I, I, I take their stat sheet. You know, we all have this. It's easy to watch a game like, you know, if, like you said, if, if Rene Ranger scores yeah. two tries, that sticks out in your head, right? Mm-hmm. As a fan, as a as a regular viewer, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, that, that was great. Or, you know, he had great ball carriers. But there's so many so other things that matter. That's what I think, too. And that's because it's easy because, like, he scores two tries. Like, those two tries help you win. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We, we won the game by, what was it, that game, like, Ten? Uh, what was shut it? Shut up for a long time. I don't remember. Yeah, they they, anyways, they like, made it a lot closer than yeah. it should have been. I can't. It's like if they won the game by ten points, like oh, he accounted for those ten points, right? Like, right. It's easy to think of that, but that's why I'm happy you're on the show to talk to us about what the more in depth stuff, like why? Because there are things that I'll argue that you know effective cleanouts are mm-hmm. just as important as as the, right. You know, a guy who's cleaning cleaning out one bullet, uh, one target at, at a time, you know that's if Rene is not getting clean ball, then, you know, right. he's not this scoring. It doesn't right? happen, exactly. Um, so it, it's it's that there's a lot of other things that might not, might kind of go overlooked. So um, really just diving into what guys did in that game. And, yeah. You know, trying to, again, trying to not be a looky-loo. Right. Which is hard. Like, like you, well, maybe not for you. Like you already said, they, your brain just works differently when you're watching that stuff. But um, so one thing, another thing I wanted to ask you is how, Stats are flawed, like particularly like I know we've talked about this in the past, but like and like you, you just across the board, not even in rugby, like we can talk about how MLR stats are different from your stats, but I know even like the way that the Broncos count tackles is different than the way like NFL.com counts tackles. 
it's different from the way that pro football reference counts tackles. So like how, like what have you noticed since you've been doing this in rugby? Like how are how are the stats flawed? Like how do you get such different numbers from somebody else? Um, there's a couple of things with that. I would say the so on probably the highest level, there's just definition. Yeah. Uh, dis- disputes of definition. Some people will, um, you know, for instance, I count a missed tackle. Um, obviously, if you made contact with a guy and fell off and he kept going, yeah, obviously it's a missed tackle, tackle, right? And some people keep their definition there. Um, that's a missed tackle. Where I also say, if the guy got to your gap and you just didn't get there, it, it was he was your responsibility and he broke the line because of you. Yeah, I'm also giving you that miss because you should have made that, the tackle there. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense um, to me. Now, that definition there is something that more, that's more what I work over with the coaches. Right. And say, okay, what do you want that you're definite? Because that's the thing. MLR can put out whatever stats it wants. And I use a, I use a good chunk of them, um, the ones that I think are more accurate. Right. Um, but part of having a, an analyst for your team is to, define things the way you want them, exactly. you know, because a tackle is not just a tackle, right? right? There's, you know, defining what you want to be a dominant, to be considered a dominant tackle versus a neutral. Um, you know, there's there, a lot, it might not seem like it, but God, I will agonize over a tackle. Like I'll watch it for three minutes and just like, I can't tell what this is. Yeah. Um, and what comes into that? Is that like, if whether or not they like made gain line or whether you like Right. physically like drive them back or like tackle them behind game line, like meet them like at the same time as the ball, like is all that. Right. So you try to get some, uh, some objective things in there. Right. Um, and again, because a, a lot of this stuff does, this, a lot of stuff can be subjective. Um, so again, that's where you kind of, you, you speak with your, your coaches, coaching staff and say, Hey, what do you, what do you want measured? What do you, you know? Cause they're the coaches for a reason. Um, and so there are things that they feel they want to, uh, zero in on so there's the definition stuff and then there's also tailoring it like you said the broncos might count tackles differently than nfl well right. where you know if um for instance like the the mlr stats that come out i might have my player having nine tackles and the mlr might have him at like 16 and it's like okay is you're clearly being a little more lenient. If you put a finger on the guy yeah, as someone else attacks him. Effect. That's what I like to call it. Yeah, there you You're go. In the general vicinity, and then I'll, you look up, and he's 40 and has 170 tackles in a season. Like, Well, I, I did that in, in high school football. Yeah. Sometimes I would <laughs> I'd come out of the pile, even if I didn't really make the tackle, and I kind of face my number yeah, towards, the, there you go. towards the parent that I knew was doing the stats. <laughs> like, uh, that was me. Yeah. Um, right, but it, so it's – there, there, there's differences there. And, um, you know, some, some are just way more lenient. And the other thing is, you know, I'm not trying to bag on anybody, but the accuracy of the person who's doing it, I have a lot of incentive to make sure my stats are as accurate as I can possibly make them. Mm -hmm. I make mistakes all the time. Right. The guys will come to me and say, Trav, Hey, you called me, you you gave me because the players, they look, you know, when they're getting rated on so many things, like I am flat out rating your performance. Right. Um, with numbers. And so, you know, rightfully so sometimes they'll come to me and say, Hey, I don't, I kind of disagree with this. You know, error happens. Um, but also, you know, it's my team. I take a lot of pride in it where if, if it's something that's outsourced, which a lot of them are, and, and you know, it, 
if that's the most affordable way to, to do, do what it, you got to do, you got to do what you got to do. Um, that's, I think that's where you come in the difference of, you know, me giving someone nine tackles and the someone stats kind of giving them 16 job, or 17. Right? Yeah. Just, you know, if it's someone who doesn't have any real stake in it, mm-hmm. um, understandably. Yep. Right. So there's just that there's, there's, there's a gap there and yeah. kind of managing that gap. Um, you know, I take, I take some, a lot of stats with a grain of salt yeah. Um, cause I don't know who's measuring them or how they're doing it or if they give a shit. Right. So you know. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, okay, Travis, I think this will be my last one. Did you get your ESPN plus figured out? Oh man. Who told you to ask me that? <laughs> I heard. I oh heard man. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, I threw a big fit when, uh, I couldn't find the the. God, I don't want. I don't want to say it again. The super, the New Zealand version of Super Rugby. Yeah, that's happening during. Yes, thank quarantine, you. The pandemic. Thank you. That one. Yeah. <laughs> I I was I threw a fit when I didn't. I was backpacking um, over the weekend, so I missed the games. And as, as usual, I was like, okay, I'm going to go on ESPN Plus. I'm going to find them on. I'm going to find them. Well, the games weren't where the other Super Rugby games had been placed uh-huh. in the ESPN library, <laughs> and so. Like a good data analyst, I sat there and bitched and moaned instead of looking around the site and uh, just had to do a little digging. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, with our staff, part of being the, if you're the analyst, you're also the IT guy. Yeah. Which is, I would say, is unfair. Um, so anytime you have, anytime I have a struggle with something IT related, it's like, oh man, IT guy can't figure it out. And, yeah, so I had like a good two days of being furious, and then I finally looked around a little bit, and like, oh, they're in the on-demand <laughs> section. The games are right there; they're all there. Yeah. So Blues Highlanders, Crusaders, Chiefs. Who who do you got? Blues have won me a decent amount of money so far. Oh, okay. So first Blues Highlanders. Gosh, I mean, the Blues look great, don't they? Yes. Yes, they do. They they they're looking kind of scary good. Um. Yeah, I'll have to go blues. Yeah. Um I mean the Crusaders look good too. Yeah, Gosh, they do. obviously the week one they're off, but they they look strong this last weekend. Um I think it's a I think it's a fool's errand to bet against them. Okay. Blues Crusaders, that's who I'm betting on this week if you're playing it too. I think DMVR has a has a code with DraftKings Sportsbooks. I don't know it off the top of my head. But that's your plays this weekend. All right, Travis, that's all the questions I have for you. I really enjoyed this. We we chewed up an hour. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not too boring for anyone listening. I I don't think so. So thank you very much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Colorado Raptors performance analyst Travis Haugen. I know I did. I learned a lot about data and even about rugby. Um, some of the things he was saying were things I had never considered before, and it was just I like hearing about how people do their jobs, especially jobs interesting as his. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I know I certainly did. So thank you again to Travis for um, taking some time out of his day and talking to me about all that. Cause I know we were scheduled for something a little shorter, ended up going an hour, but I thought it was a really good, interesting hour of stuff. So I hope you guys enjoyed that, and uh, you have to let me know. And if you want to be his intern, shoot me a note. I'll pass the message along to him. Um, so now let's jump into, we got a listener question. We haven't had one in a while, so this is cool to see. 
Um, but this one comes on a comment from one of my posts on the dmvr.com uh, from user named Double D. He says, hey, Colton, thanks for the ongoing rugby coverage. I'm an American but lived abroad the last 35 years, mostly all over Asia, but also a decade in London. Over that period, I developed a passion for watching rugby, particularly international test matches. I find it's a perfect combination of speed, power, aggression, skill, constant action, and of course, the internationals mean a lot of passion. Live rugby is great, but it's really well suited for TV with constant action and the refs mic'd up, which really draws you into the action. I'm back in Colorado for good now and was psyched about the chance to follow slash watch the Raptors and was super psyched when uh, DNVR picked up coverage. Then the bloody Raptors dumped the MLR. I know you have addressed the decision a few times, and I'm glad you continue with your efforts. But to ask a hard question, where do you think the whole Glendale situation goes? Will they just schedule a lot of friendlies? I see the Eagles have seven internationals scheduled for the second half of 2020. Is it likely you guys cover those like a local team, which they kind of are, in parentheses? I see USA versus Canada due to be played at Infinity Park mid-August. That'll be huge, and it would be cool to get the DNVR community fully engaged for that event. Um, anyway, keen to hear your thoughts, and thanks again for the coverage. So, first of all, thank you for listening, and thank you for the questions. Um, I appreciate them. And to answer the questions as best I can, um, I'll give it my best shot, but but I don't think you'll like the answers very much. So, the first to answer the first question regarding uh, where this Glendale situation goes, the simple answer is I really don't know. Uh, the one thing I do know is that they ha they do have something in the works. Um, but they're playing it very close to the vest right now, and um, I don't really blame them. It's why would you want to, you know, release something before it's ready or make your plans known, especially with how hard it is. Like we just talked about the intro with Aspen Rugger Fest. It's so hard to do anything right now, especially to plan things that um, I wouldn't want to make any plans known either. But they are playing it super close to the vest, and you're probably wondering why I didn't ask Travis in the interview what was going on with the organization. And I can tell you it's because he flat out wouldn't tell me. Um, and he doesn't have to tell me anything. Like I just said, the, you know, the, the Raptors are playing. Um, they're making their next move a calculated one. They're playing things very slow. But I can tell you that they have something in the works. And that's not even like a insider perspective. We can use context clues to figure that out. Um, you know, and and then one of the first big ones is if you're listening to this episode, I have Travis Algonon, who's the performance analyst for the Raptors, and he's still working. He talks about in the interview that he's still working on stuff. He's working with these data scientists to, you know, help him do his job better. So, I mean, that's your first clue that, that something's happening. And the second clue is you can see the team account and the website have been very active for about a month now um, after being dormant for close to two months. So, um I mean, based off, I don't know, assumptions, things that we can, you know, we can assume based off these clues are they're, they're working towards something. It just hasn't been made public yet, and it will eventually. Um, but until that day, you know, we're going to keep bringing you this coverage as best we can about stuff that's going on. And um, when, when the time is right, all that stuff will come out. So we just got to be patient, which is something that we've all had to do during this pandemic. And Something we'll just keep having to do until, you know, they're ready to make their announcement or until I find something concrete out. And if that when that happens, I'll, I'll let you guys know. So to answer the second question, yes, we will be covering the USA international matches like we do a local team because you are correct, especially with this USA recent uh, this USA rugby's recent announcement that they're moving to Infinity Park. 
Um, it is a local team, essentially. You know, they're headquartered here. Um, all the trainings and stuff will be here. They'll be playing a, a couple matches a year, it sounds like, here. Um, so with that, you know, this is a great opportunity to get people into more into rugby, especially international rugby, because national team rugby is about the highest level of rugby that we'll be able to see here in America. And it's something I'm excited about. Um, and like I said, something that I've had a clue about for a couple weeks, and I'm glad it's out so we can actually start planning some stuff around it. But unfortunately, the, you like you mentioned, there's a couple international matches. I don't think we'll be seeing any international matches this year based on where everything is with coronavirus. And you think about how high a contact sport rugby is. It's a little different than baseball or something like that, you know, because you're touching somebody on every single play. Um, and testing and all that stuff's expensive. And it just kind of seems like the best way to make sure that this – um, is reintroduced right is to just you know wait and see how things play out whether that be for a vaccine I don't know but um, I wouldn't I wouldn't bank on seeing any high level competitive rugby matches in the United States until everything's sorted out until we get to a place like New Zealand which I mean just is is not possible based on how big the USA is compared to New Zealand but um, when that stuff does st start happening again you can bet that I'll be covering it as best I can. I'll be all over it, um, and we will get the DNVR fam involved when USA is playing rugby here at an Infinity Park. Uh, you got my word on that, Double D. I will keep doing my best. I'll keep covering this stuff as best I can, and um, I hope that uh, those are sufficient answers for you. And, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for submitting questions. Uh, to jump in the next segment is required reading. Uh, this one will be nice and easy. I already read half the article for you, but um, required reading this week is to go check out USA Rugby's announcement entitled USA Rugby and City of Glendale Elevate Partnership, Infinity Park slated as a national training center for USA Eagles 15s. So go read that, learn about it. If you have any questions, be sure to ask them because on the next segment, The Loop, is where I promote stuff we're doing, very self-centered segment. We have a big guest next week. Um, I've confirmed it. It's going to take place. I'm interviewing him next week. So the show next Friday will be a big guest, probably the biggest guest we've had on the show. Um, that will, And he will further explain um, kind of what's going on, the relationship, the details of the agreement, um, in place between USA Rugby and the city of Glendale. On, so that will happen on next week's episode. I'm excited for it, so stay tuned for that. And if you have any questions um, about the partnership, send them in because I promise you they will get answered. Wink, wink, that's a little clue of who we're interviewing. Um, so stay tuned for that. I think next week we'll also be able to drop some exciting news I've been holding on to for a while as well, so I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to bury myself. We've got some exciting stuff in the works, so just make sure you stick with me. Uh, that's the show, guys. I know this was a little bit longer one, but that's good. It means we got a lot to talk about, and we covered a lot of stuff. I um, hope you had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you back here next Friday.